All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday, September 10th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are sitting here live. Well, we're not live. You're listening to this as a recording. But we are sitting together, ready to record our game-by-game podcast for week one. Still can't believe week one is here already. Um, not you know, not playing catch up mode here by any means, but it does feel like the football season. I don't know, it didn't sneak up on us in, in a way, but just with these other sports going on, like we said yesterday in our cash game podcast, does feel like um, there's so, so many sports are overlapping right now. It doesn't feel like the, I guess my, my point is it doesn't feel like the typical start of a football season. I mean, obviously not gonna have crowds at the games. That's nothing new, but. Um, yeah, does it feel like the beginning of football season to you? I don't know. Maybe the, maybe it's just a little too, it's warm up here in New Hampshire. Maybe the, 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 well, yeah, the, all the notes like kids people aren't sending their kids back to school. <laughs> There's right. just like a lot of a lot of weirdness surrounding it. And I will say too, as we were kind of preparing for this season, I don't feel like guys switched teams very much. Like you know, as we were kind of clicking through and setting depth charts, yeah, there's some rookies people are interested in, but we haven't gotten that preseason buzz that's gotten people really excited about it. We haven't gotten to see some of the guys like, you know, Todd Gurley in the new uniform to be like, oh, you know, he could be right. whatever. So a lot of those narratives have kind of gone by the wayside and we just have raw numbers from last year <laughs> and our ability to project. And in some ways, I think that favors us. So, you know, we're often, I feel like, ahead of the curve early in the season because a lot of people are trying to speculate on these penny stocks like these Henry Ruggs, the third type guys that... You know, and I understand the enthusiasm around young players for sure, and many of them will turn into something. But yeah, I'm not confident that anyone knows who is going to be good just yet. So I really like our chances of just sticking with the tried and true guys and powering through these first couple weeks on that note. Yeah, we're going to roll game by game here. We're going to talk about some of the news and notes. Uh, in Not a ton of injury stuff here, some little bibs and bobs um, in terms of you know, injury news that could affect things. Like I said, we did roll through cash game picks yesterday. Uh, you can go back and listen to that one on the feed. We talked about Russell Wilson. We talked about Carson Wentz, McCaffrey at running back. Um, I can't remember who else. Oh, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon. We talked about uh, a lot of these guys in terms of just cash game safety, so we can sort of gloss over them. Yeah, we'll nod to them, but yeah. we won't go deep on it. Right. Um, but we'll go through game by game. We'll talk about it. We're going to go game by game for the main slate, like I said, uh, just to, to be clear about that. Uh, we're not going to really focus on the Sunday night or Monday night games here at all. Uh, we'll talk about some betting stuff, maybe some player props, and mostly just focus on where you can look at for lineups. And obviously we're recording this Thursday morning, so we don't know what happened with the Texans and the Chiefs, uh, but hopefully one of us came out winning the million dollars in the single game entry, so we'll <laughs> see how that goes. All right, the first game is the Dolphins go and play New England. New England is minus 6.5 home favorites, and the big story here obviously is no Tom Brady, and they bring in Cam Newton to presumably be the quarterback. I say presumably because Belichick refused to actually f- officially name him the starting quarterback for week one. Uh, <laughs> but the, that was the news that came out this week. Uh, speculation is high that he is going to be the quarterback, so um, I don't think there's anything to worry about there. But Belichick did some Belichickian things by not officially saying it. New quarterback, mm-hmm. totally different skill set than Tom Brady. Yeah. Where do you see him? I, he's one of the ones I had the most trouble projecting, to be honest with you, um, in terms of opportunity and just what he's going to actually do for the Patriots team. Because, you know, we saw him as a runner, some in Carolina. The injuries were definitely a concern. The accuracy has really not always been there, but the athleticism is. So what do you, you know, I could go as high as like the seventh highest projected quarterback and as low as 15th. Like, I don't really know sort of where to land on 
Cam, and we can, I guess we can just start there. So for cash games, you're obviously not going to do it. If you're trying to construct big tournament lineups that contain Cam Newton, I think you're presented with some interesting decisions. Historically, when we've played Cam Newton in cash games, it's often been with maybe one wide receiver, but sometimes just as a naked QB with no support from his own team around him whatsoever, or maybe with like Christian McCaffrey. Going into a new situation, I don't see how anyone could possibly speculate who Cam Newton's favorite wide receivers are going to be. Yeah, we've seen Edelman be the best receiver on this team for the last couple of years, but with a new quarterback, like how many times do we see the starter get hurt, a new quarterback comes in, and just starts throwing to some guy you've never heard of for nine targets a game. Like Getting on the same page as wide receivers takes time, and until we see it in practice, I don't see how you could possibly guess who Cam Newton's going to throw to. And I also think it, with the combination of him, new team, trying to impress, play for a contract, also the offense probably not being that ironed out just yet, I think you could see Cam Newton start cooking on the ground and stuff like that as well. So right. I think you could. I think if you're going to play him, it makes sense to play him all alone. Maybe you try to guess who he's going to hook up with. But I, I think a big running day for Newton, not out of the question. I did, yeah. Other than other than him, look the the wide receiver core is still pretty much the same with Harry, Edelman, uh, Myers, guys like this. Like nothing that really write home about. And I, I just want to say, too, Newton, even in his best years, was barely a 60% completion guy. This is not, he's not been an accurate passer. So he's got to probably, you'd think he, unless they're going, to, they're going to do something here to make the system work for him, it's got to be on the ground. I'm not really loving outside of him much in the way of fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the Dolphins side, look, I know they pulled some surprises out last year. Fitzpatrick is still the quarterback. Maybe you think Devontae Parker. Maybe you think the Patriots' defense takes a step back this season, which I think is reasonable after they came out of the gate last year and just kind of killed everybody. Yeah, with all the guys who opted out. Right. Well. Um, yeah, right. So I think that there's a, a situation where maybe this we, – we might look at the end of this and say that six-and-a-half line. It, it's it's hard to think that the Patriots – there's just this very weird team. This is a very weird game to get your hand on, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't mind the Fitzpatrick, the Parker piece. I have no problem – I have no interest at all in the running game. I don't know if you have any other thoughts here no, Miami. No, no, you can't possibly play the running game. Breida's arrival is meaningless until we see how the Dolphins are going to use him. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of nice to get them as seven-point dogs going into this game because we probably weren't going to play the running backs regardless. Yeah, and like Jordan Howard see... and Jordan Howard and Breida are going to split carries. Exactly, right. yeah. It's, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, Parker, last two games last season, including one against this Patriots team, uh, 26 total targets, 13 catches for 248 yards. So... I think it's very, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he's just a good cash game play, too. Uh, I don't think you can sleep on him, but yeah, for big tournaments, for sure, I think he's a nice option. Um, yeah, and like I said, I don't think from a fantasy standpoint, I don't see a ton of interest, even big tournament stuff. I'm not really feeling a lot of maybe you want to play the Patriots defense because you think that they're still going to... They're showing up highly for us. If you're going to spend up on defense this week, our system does suggest that the Patriots are the way to do it. Browns go and play the Ravens. This uh, line started at 8.5. It's been bet down to 7.5 in favor of the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I'll say right now, I've already bet this at Ravens minus 7.5. Um, I think that I don't know if it's that people still kind of are dreaming on the Browns or they think it's going to be better or the coaching situation is going to improve or whatever it's going to be. Um, I don't see it, so I've already placed a bet on this one um, at the Browns at 7.5. I was willing to do it at eight and a half, honestly, also. Um, but it just it was nice that the number came down. <laughs> we talked about Lamar Jackson yesterday and just sort of the safety he provided at the position. 
I do think that there's a reason to, and I, I'm just going to nod to one thing I said yesterday, I think there's reason to expect these numbers to come down a little bit this season. I think the touchdowns were just way too high for the amount of attempts he took. Now, I do think they're gonna, he's going to throw the ball more this year, so maybe the touchdowns still range up, but that's going to come at the cost of the running. I The, the touchdown per attempt is was like near historic levels last year. He was, it's just really so hard to do. They had so many downfield, just kind of, you know, long touchdowns that I just don't, that are very difficult to repeat. That being said, still an, an absolutely excellent top tier quarterback play. Anything else you like about this game? I mean, the running game still seems it's going to be split up a little bit with Ingram and some of the other guys. Um, the wide receivers, you couldn't really trust at all last year. Mark Andrews is maybe one guy. Um, what do you think here on the, on the Raven side? Yeah, so I, I think you're spot on when it comes to Jackson's touchdowns regressing. We've seen this sort of thing happen in the past where, you know, as, as we're kind of cooking up our stats leading into the season or the, the inputs that we're going to use to project our guys going forward, a lot of times things like, you know, even converting red zone opportunities to touchdowns, for instance. Like, yeah, there is some skill involved in that, and it helps to have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But people tend not to be that much better than everybody else. You know, oftentimes, simply getting to the red zone in the first place is where you demonstrate your skill. And then those last 20 yards, you tend to be as good at getting those last 20 yards as you are at getting the first 80. So I'm with you. I think that Jackson does regress. I still think, you know, he's going to have to show me that he's less than what he was last year before I'm ready to sleep on him. Uh, He's a fantastic big game, or uh, I'm sorry, a fantastic big money play for big tournaments uh, playing by himself as well because, you know, he can just eat all the touchdowns on his own on the ground as well. So I still really like Jackson here. I'm with you on taking the Ravens minus 7.5 as well. In their two meetings last year, the Ravens won by 16 and 15 points, and there's no reason to think the Browns have improved here, right? I don't, I mean, other than, unless you want to chalk the entire last season up to bad variants or something, but I don't see any reason to believe that that's the case. So I, I do like that bet as well. The Browns had basically put it in the tank at the end of the season last year. They lost to the they lost to the Cardinals. They lost to the Bengals in the last two of the last three weeks. Um, so, so they lost the um, they they had Baltimore in there. They had that terrible Pittsburgh quarterback situation. They lost to them. Oh, God, yeah. um, the end of the season for them uh, was kind of a mess. I you want to think about Nick Chubb as a you know a, a big time back. He did not carry the ball more than twenty times over the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, well, that's Kareem, Kareem Hunt, Hunt yep. came back, and right. Kareem Hunt also took all the targets. Or not all of them, but he took a sizable chunk of those targets. There's no way that you can play Nick Chubb at seventy five hundred in any format when Kareem Hunt is lurking like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe you, you, you want to go for the touchdowns, but even they gave the ball Hunt down close uh, a couple times last year also. So um, I think he is a little bit overpriced. Another guy that um, people want to have a bounce back from, and I know there's been like some other news about him that has non-football related. I don't <laughs> to not get too overly specific here about Odell Beckham Jr. Only had only saw double digit targets in one of the final six weeks of the season last year. Mm-hmm. Is he going to get back? I mean, it was not like that at the beginning of the year. 11, 10, 9, he had an 11, a 12, and a 10 in there for the first 10 weeks. Um, but the, the targets just kind of dried up for him. And, by the way, not in pretty good matchups they, they had. The, you know, overall, the final part of the season were good matchups. Again, maybe the motivation was just gone because they knew they weren't going to make, make the playoffs. Could you see a bounce back from him this season? Like, how high do you, I, I, I do like him as a tournament play here, I think. Um, I think the price did drop a little bit based on just, like, the end of the season performance. Uh, thoughts on Beckham? I think with a full year of time to play with Baker Mayfield, hopefully that could help them get, get on the same page a little bit better. 
Obviously, it's a transcendent talent. It's going to be hard to call him a bad big tournament play at any point this season. So I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, certainly not going to touch it in cash games until I see him do it. Uh, we talked about Landry yesterday as well as being a reasonable cash game option. Landry, you know, as opposed to Beckham, led the team in receiving yards, targets, and receptions last season. And I suspect he'll probably do the same. So I think a $6,300 price tag for him, totally reasonable here. And uh, he was effective against the Ravens last year as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm pumped about Landry and in big tournaments as well. It doesn't draw draws a decently difficult cornerback uh, matchup here between Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, they do have Marcus Peters playing the slot, but that's going to be more... Um, Excuse me. No, excuse me. He's gonna play the outside. Marcus Peters uh, and Jimmy Smith will play the outside. Marlon Humphrey will play the slot. Um, and Marcus Peters uh, is one of the better graded cornerbacks here. So uh, there's a good chance that Beckham sees more Peters here. That is the worst of the two situations. We actually do have Jarvis Landry projected for higher, more points uh, than Odell Beckham Jr. So I think there's a tournament game to to look at. Like maybe you want to yeah. go. Lamar Jackson and maybe the wide receivers on the other side. I don't mind that either if you think they're playing catch up. Uh, but I do think there's there's stuff to get excited about here. Um, but though I think we pretty much threw out the names and maybe some of the concerns about them. Jets go and play Buffalo. Buffalo six and a half point home favorites here. Uh, Buffalo returning most of the same team, though they did make the trade for Stefan Diggs in the offseason to really dramatically improve the wide receiver core. Um, what do you want to do with a guy like Diggs from Josh Allen, who had some deep had some <laughs> deep throws, had some deep throws that didn't come anywhere close to receivers at times, also. Also not the most accurate guy in the world. I don't know how you see Diggs' situation as, is this an improvement from him and just in terms of overall targets, but maybe less accuracy? Or is it just, we're going to have to wait a week? I, I, we're not going to do it in cash, uh, but, but from tournaments, this is 100% guys that you can think about stacking in tournaments, right? Like, Yep, there are guys you can think about stacking. I think he'll be overowned because everyone is excited about Diggs and the new situation. Let's not forget that Diggs, it's not like he was an unknown quantity in Minnesota. He had some absolutely insane games. And that was with a quarterback who was competent at throwing the deep ball. And like he, he was already on the same page as him as well, right? So even in spite of that situation, for a team that could have really used him, five targets, three, five, six in his last four games of the season, to think that he's just going to show up with no preseason, no prior experience, and just catch 10 balls, like anything can happen. He's obviously an incredible talent. But the amount of people speculating on him, like if you can get separation from the field by fading digs, I think you're doing great. <laughs> and okay. that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to have zero digs in any of my big tournament lineups. And I think it's worthwhile to point out, you know, a lot of us have a lot of entries coming up for the first Sunday million of the year. You can make a stand in a couple of directions. If you think there's going to be a really highly owned guy that, and I'm not sure digs isn't going to be 40% owned or anything, but if you think there's going to be a highly owned guy, like this happens with, Cheap running backs a lot of times, you know, a fill-in guy uh, for a starter that's gone down. You can get significant separation from the field just by fading, you know, a really highly owned player. So, um, yeah, I think Diggs will be over-owned relative to what my expectations are for him. If he goes off, I'm willing to live with it. I'm not playing him anywhere. Yeah, so, and like I said with Allen, this is a guy with a career 56% completion rate. This is not an accurate passer. Right. We do, it's, it's very difficult. You know, we talked about, for instance, we talked about Teddy Bridgewater yesterday as a guy you could consider in a new situation. I like I, with with receivers and you're not sure how he's going to play with them. I'm much more confident in a situation like that because I know that Teddy Bridgewater has a history of being able to complete passes. Yeah, a lot of them were to Michael Thomas last year. I get it. Um, but this is also a wide receiver core 
that you can trust the accuracy a little bit more. I know people want to dream on Diggs. They want to dream on him catching the long ball. Allen obviously has an absolute cannon. I get that part of it. But it's just hard to go into a new situation with a with a non-accurate quarterback. That's yeah. that's, and that's he awesome. can do it, and he might not. <laughs> like, right. I think he's more likely than not to not just be better than he was in Minnesota with a guy he was on the same page. That's all. The running game, I really wanted to play Singletary and Cash. You just can't trust it with the way um, that it looks like they're going to you know, maybe possibly split carries between him and Zach Moss. I think Singletary ends up getting the majority of it, but this is also a guy who was buried behind Frank Gore forever last year. Like, this is not a guy, and it maybe started, started to turn around a little bit when they got into the playoffs and toward the end of the season, and they still just brought in Zach Moss, right? So yeah. it's... Uh, to start the year, I was like, oh, this is not a bad situation. They're big home favorites. That's really where we want to target running backs usually. Um, but I'm just too worried that it's it's going to be 11 carries and two targets or yeah. something like that. And and that's just not enough. And so, like the skill set, would love if he was just the every down guy. It's just very clear at this point that Buffalo is not going to do that. Yeah, and with Singletary as well, just two running touchdowns last season. And Moss, he's like 225 pounds. What? He's going to get the majority of the goal line work would yeah. be my guess as well. So... You know, if you're not tapping into that touchdown upside, like if he's basically going to have to receive his touchdowns, that really limits his big tournament viability as well, in my mind. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll keep rolling through these games. All right, Seattle goes in and plays Atlanta. They are two-point road favorites. We talked at length about Russell Wilson as possibly being the guy who we run in cash, so I'm not going to retread all that. We talked a lot about Tyler Lockett as well. Not going to go back on that. I think they're both pretty strong cash game plays. The uh, DK Metcalf is close for me. I, I don't think the possession stuff is enough, um, but that could also increase after another year with Wilson, so I'm mm-hmm. not not willing to write it off because we said, like we said, that uh, Doug Baldwin retiring vacates some targets, not a ton. Like He did not have as many targets as you would think he would have had based on the name mm-hmm. last year, so it wasn't, like, it wasn't crazy. And Metcalf... You know, had a 12-target game to end the season. Had a nine in the nine in the playoffs, uh, and then 12 in the last game of the year against the 49ers. Also had one target for zero yards the week before that, <laughs> uh, and then four targets the week before that. So I think that the variance is still a little too high for cash, but big tournament-wise, yeah, easily. If you're playing Wilson, this is a guy you need to lock in at some point in some lineups. Um, because just the big the big play stuff is definitely there. I'm just not. There's just too many one catch, two catch, zero catch games on the game log. To really trust it, um, but can you do that? Make sense from a GPP perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a situation with a year of experience together that you can speculate on growth, especially with the absence of a guy who's getting targets. You know, those have to be redistributed somewhere. So, yeah, I think that's a very strong inclusion. Uh, running game. Any thoughts here? Chris Carson still there? Um, definitely a guy. If you think he was going to get nineteen carries a game, but they did bring in Carlos Hyde. Uh, moves like this signal that that's not, you know, Carlos Hyde is not a nobody. He's not, you know, Pete Carlos Hyde for, by any means, but um, they do have Carlos Hyde. They do have DJ Dallas there. Um, Carson's a guy who averaged, had a meeting, meeting carries last year of 18.5 uh, and then three targets. We haven't projected for much lower than that, but if we brought him up to what the, the, the workload was last year, he actually might be a cash game play. So I don't, but I'm, I just don't totally trust the situation for him being a total bell cow back. But maybe he is, and I'm just low. Like, or we're just low on the targets or and, and the catches. What are your thoughts here on Chris Carson? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the carries in this game. Uh, first of all, yeah, bringing in Carlos Hyde, he is a real guy. Uh, both Hyde and Carson had off-season injuries that they worked through. Hyde with his shoulder and uh, Carson with 
his hip, I believe, from the yeah, he fractured his hip at the end of last season. So I think the combination of that, the fact that at times Carson was getting, I mean, between twenty and twenty-five carries. That's what I mean. Like, like we, I'm we're really, really low. I'm really low on the carries based on last year. That's why it makes me a little bit, a little concerned. But I just the high thing. I don't has think you concerned. need to force it for cash games, just because you know even being two point favorites on the road and so on. Like I, I don't think you just need to jam him in. He's seventy-two hundred on Fanduel, so not exactly. The steal of the century, but yeah, I mean, he he went on a five six game stretch where he was touching the ball twenty one or more times right. a game, and if you're going to get anything like that, then he is too cheap. But I think you can wait a week and see how it shakes out. Uh, Hyde did miss some of camp too, so I'd be pretty surprised if it was like a true timeshare. I think that makes Carson a very interesting big tournament option for that reason because I think he's somewhat slept on here. But for cash games, I, I just don't think we need to go there. It's going to be close. I, like I said, if we bring him even within eighty percent of last year's production um i think that that price because this is still a good matchup here like they have a really high total mm-hmm. uh, one of the highest totals of the whole slate if not the highest or 25.5 implied points i think that's behind only the ravens if i'm looking real fast and uh, they're right in there and they're right in there with the raiders and yeah, the colts are up there too so still maybe top four top five highest expected points on the slate if we bring them to within 80 percent of last year it might be close i'll have to take a look at that when we're done uh but this is definitely a this is definitely a game that you're going to want to have your hands in fantasy yeah two bad defenses i mean both teams last year bottom 12 defensively and just in terms of raw yards per game allowed both teams have very dynamic offenses or the potential to be dynamic at the very least so yeah i'm i think a two-way stack between these two teams is actually pretty interesting as well so Keep your eye on it for sure. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley uh, were both co- now they did um, they did bring in Jamal Adams, but the the Seahawks, but Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley were kind of sneaking around cash game possibilities here based on we are, and by the way we already talked at length about Hayden Hurst yesterday, so I'm not going to go mm-hmm. back down and talk about him. We but like him. Yes, he was a he's uh, probably going to be in 100. He'll be the chalk tight end, I believe. But thoughts here on Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley were kind of able to coexist with each other in terms of targets last season. Atlanta did play from behind a bunch, so. Um, Thoughts on these guys, and then thoughts on Todd Gurley, because they bring in Todd Gurley to be the running back. They're saying all the things that you want to hear about Todd Gurley being the guy, um, right. but this I, the coach speak stuff I'll never really trust. I Atlanta, like Atlanta historically has been a two-running back team, and they're another team that's going to need to prove to me. And, and especially with Gurley, the lack of production last season, and the other weapons that the Falcons have, I just don't think you need to force them in there until we see something definitively otherwise. Julio Jones is really, really interesting to me. I don't know that they'll go right back to the well on this, but in the last three games last season, the guy had 48 targets in three games. That is absolutely unheard of. (laughs) You just don't see. That's more than 16 targets a game over the last three games. Uh, You don't see that. So Julio Jones could definitely be a good cash game option that we're sleeping on. And, and, And by the way, that's a situation where... I'm willing to favor situations like this, especially for tournaments also, because this yeah. is known. Not not the girly part, but yeah. the but the wide receiver part is you know, when you think about guys that weren't able to work together in the offseason, these guys have worked together for multiple seasons. Well not really, but like they, these yeah, guys have yeah. now worked together for multiple seasons. In a year like that, this that really counts for something. Like it absolutely really matters. it always matters, but it matters even more this season because the lack of the lack of real in-game stuff you've been able to do, recreating live games, recreating all the timing, that's just so many teams have not been able to do that this year in a way that they ever were able to before. And so multiple seasons of guys being on the same page with the same, or sort of the same systems, I just, I, I favor it. We already really favored it going into the season and I we really, really, really favor it here. Yeah, and I think 
you bring up a really good point there. And when you're thinking about big tournament lineups, especially, think about everything that needs to go right for you in order to win a big tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Each player needs to be at the top of his position. And in order to do that, you need to be right on in projecting big opportunity, but they also need to do a lot with that opportunity. So if you think about a guy like Jones, where the opportunity is already built in, all you need him to do is capitalize on that big opportunity. If you think about someone like Todd Gurley, you need to hit twice, right? You need right. to say, well, yes, he got the big opportunity and he was excellent because it's not going to be good enough if he if he's like, wow, Gurley got 24 touches, oh, but he got 80 yards and one touchdown. Mm -hmm. You still lose, right? right? So when you can count on the opportunity, I think you put yourself in a much better position to capitalize on big tournaments. Now, of course, the flip side of that is that guys with big opportunity – tend to be highly owned. So by speculating, you know, down in the dregs, you can do a lot of good work. But if you're just kind of, you know, putting in five lineups in the Sunday million, things like that, if you're putting yourself in a position to have to be right on all counts, guessing opportunity and performance, uh, you could be in for a tough day. So, yeah, uh, I think that, that sums it up really well. And it's just, and so that's why we're going to keep harping on this thing about favoring these situations. Look, after a week, Yep. We're gonna know a lot more, and I hate to be the person that just says, "Oh, we'll wait a week and then do it and change all of our priors." I don't think we're not we're not gonna do yeah, that. Yeah, that's just honest, though. Right. So. But but there are just situations <laughs> that you just not, if you if you if you think you know. By the way, NFL coaches are the absolute worst with this anyway. Like the if you think you just heard like a quote and that's gonna be the thing. No. The, the coaches there's a much longer history of coaches just telling you the exact or just changing it in game because they thought they were gonna do it and they just changed their minds, right? Mm -hmm. Like or just saw something they didn't like. Um. So between just the outright dishonesty from NFL coaches <laughs> that, that that already, you know, the Sean Paytons of the world that will never tell the truth about what's happening, um, plus just in-game management and all that stuff, I just, I, I just, I'm never going to trust until I actually see it with my own eyes, uh, and that's just being honest, and if it's a week late on some of these guys, then then so be it, mm -hmm. but with the Seattle, the Seattle-Atlanta game doesn't strike me as that, this seems like sort of like a, a we know we know a lot going into this game. Chicago goes in and plays Detroit. Detroit started as minus one and a half, now up to minus three. Probably on the news that Chicago was going to start Mitch Trubisky instead of Nick Foles would be my guess. Um, that's where that line moved a little bit. Detroit, the news really only news here, and it's not like huge news, is that Matthew Stafford, who was injured for most of the second half of the season last year, is back this season. Mm -hmm. Little known that I was actually really surprised about this. Matthew Stafford last year, I know it was only eight games. He was the fourth highest draft average DraftKings points per play, per game player overall. Wow. It was Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford. Wow, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, me too. Uh, and then like he was ahead of guys like Pre well ahead of everyone else I didn't name, but like ahead of guys <laughs> like ahead of guys like Prescott, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, um, that's surprising. Yeah, really surprising. Now it was because they were bad, and he had to just throw 50 times a game, and then he you know got hurt and just couldn't sustain it, but. I don't know. Are we low on Matthew Stafford here? Chicago, they have a nice total, um, you know, minus three. He's got the, pretty much the same weapons that he had last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, at least with Galladay. Um, the running game has, they've never actively ever decided what they want to do with the running backs. Um, they just don't seem to like any of the guys they bring in because right. no, no one really gets to play. Are we low on Stafford here um, just in terms of overall projected points based on sort of what he was doing with pretty similar, a, a pretty similar group of guys from last year? Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to say what exactly he'll be returning from injury. So we last year he averaged almost 22 FanDuel points a game. We have him projected for just less than 17. Right. That sounds low to me. I think probably he's worth another 
couple points, but you know, as I look at our inputs, I often just feel as though <laughs> like I want to trust the inputs more than uh, than my gut when I look at something. That being said, you know, projecting guys going into the season, like oftentimes as the season goes along, you could pretty much use year-to-date stats with a multiplier for strength of schedule, right? Like I think that's pretty safe. Stafford having such a limited sample size from last season and, you know, potentially showing improvements last season as well. I do think it's pretty close. So, yeah, I think we're probably a little bit low. I don't know if that's enough to put him into cash game lineups, for instance. But if you're looking at probably less than chalk big tournament connection, the Stafford to Galladay thing sounds really promising to me. Yeah, Galladay, it's an interesting note about him is that it's worth looking at the game logs and sort of what they did before and after Stafford. When mm-hmm. With Stafford, he was basically like an 8.5 to 9 target a game guy. Um, and then they just drop off a cliff when they're just playing guys like quarterbacks off the scrap heap, which was essentially what yeah. they were doing last year. So Galladay returning to that sort of you know mid eights ish mm-hmm. target range, high sevens, mid eights target range seems totally reasonable to me. And if that's the case, he just is like a DraftKings play, right. <laughs> um, and he's probably just coming too cheap on DraftKings. It's a little closer on FanDuel because we had talked about going just a little bit more. Um, high end with the running backs and his price probably just doesn't fit because you really we're going to go real pretty darn cheap um on DraftKings uh, or excuse me on FanDuel with the running backs but in terms of overall projected points like we have Galladay third right now <laughs> third overall among wide receivers Thomas Julio yeah. Jones Sounds and then Galladay cool. and by the way like ahead of guys like Mike Evans we'll get to the Tampa Bay situation ahead of guys like Mike Evans ahead of guys like Chris Godwin um ahead of guys like DeAndre Hopkins which by the way the theme there, all new situations, right? right? So um, the only one that is, it's a little weird for me that he's not higher than is Devontae Adams. Um, Adams should probably be higher than Galladay when I'm, and I'm probably reconfigured the last little bits of this uh, before we get into Sunday. But overall, 7.3 on, on FanDuel for Galladay feels like a, a fine price. Um, and I lost it. I didn't have the DraftKings thing open, so I'm just going to talk over this for one second. I don't know what he's doing. DraftKings, I wasn't ready for this. He is. There you go. It's a good pod. Six, uh, <laughs> 6,200 uh, on DraftKings. So uh, definitely like the DraftKings number a little better. Uh, we might be a little bullish on it, but like I said, st- I know, I'm beating the Sounds drum. fine to me. Beating yeah. the drum here, but uh, just a good situation. Uh, Chicago side, I... I, I what, what do we do here? I mean, Allen Robinson got a million targets at the end of the year last year. Like, they still have Mitch Trubisky. That's still a problem. Like, I don't really know what to make of this team. I, it feels terrible if you're a Bears fan, I think, at this point, right? Like, I... Yeah, Robinson's an interesting big tournament play. Uh, he was getting targets like you read about. I mean, he had 38 targets in the last three games of the season. Averaged just eight catches a game on those. Um, and didn't always turn it into big production either. So, I think Robinson, great big tournament target. We've seen these guys that get big targets but don't have a high conversion rate, be the very best guys from week to week. Uh, like, you know, against the Raiders last year, he randomly had a 25 fantasy point game, right? And a guy at 7,200 who's capable of that, which Robinson undoubtedly is, has to be in consideration for you. And he's priced cheaply enough that you can capture that wide receiver one upside at a $7,200 price tag. That sounds great to me. Don't bother in cash. Maybe we get three games out of Mitch Trubisky before they make the switch. Uh, my guess is that he's just going to have they, they, they let him, <laughs> you know, let him out there with a leash that just says we're going to bring the folds in as soon as, like, the signs are that you look bad. Right. Um, that's my guess, but that's not a situation I'm really all that interested in anyway, so we'll move on. Oakland goes and play, or excuse me, I did it. First, mis- first geographic mistake. Las Vegas goes and plays <laughs> the Panthers. 
We talked a lot about this game yesterday on the podcast, just through the plays. Uh, on the, we talked a ton about McCaffrey. We talked a ton about Bridgewater, mm-hmm. even DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, guys like that we, we, we made mention of. So I don't really want to go all the way back and talk about them. I think they're all really strong plays. Um, and then on the Las Vegas side, we talked about Josh Jacobs is probably just a guy we're going to play in cash here, um, just based on what, what we've been talking about with the opportunity. Anything else? They did announce that the wide receivers, uh, it's going to be Ruggs and Edwards are going to start um, at wide receiver. That was kind of um, pretty much known. Ruggs is really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to I hate to do this because I know we've just all we've talked about is don't play the unknown guys. Ruggs is also an absolute overall top pick wide receiver that they went out of their way to get, and it's just an absolute stud. We don't even have him for that many targets, like five targets, which is so low. But he's so cheap on FanDuel at five at five point one, that do we just do? I I mean he's a rookie wide receiver. If if we had him at like seven targets and that like we you know and he was showing up, I'd be like yeah we're probably a little too high. This is very few targets, and with a real quarterback in Derek Carr who has not really had any wide receivers to throw to in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Like if you want to look at Derek Carr's numbers, yeah, have they not looked great? Sure, he's throwing to Hunter Renfro's of the world, and it's just not. This is actually like a real guy. And so again, maybe talking out of this because you know me, I all I want to do is dream on, dream on the guy that like is you know has all the pedigree, is an overall pick, yeah, I think it was like the top eleven pick or something like that. Um, and we don't have him for that much opportunity, but he's projected to just be pretty good on his opportunity, pretty good on the actual targets. Talk me out of rugs real quick. I'm, I'm I'm I do think he sees ownership here in cash. Yeah, so I think I actually like rugs better in cash than in big tournaments, which sounds crazy for a guy who's fifty one hundred and no track record. But I think he will see big ownership. I think he allows you to get safety at other positions, and I think that it would probably it would be tough for him to be truly awful. Would be my guess, just because if he is, the Raiders are in a pretty bad way. Uh, they do have Waller there still, and I think Waller will be the most targeted pass catcher. Uh, on the Las Vegas Raiders this week. That's going to be hard to say. I'm just going to call it Oakland. I'm just going to say that's the plan. Oh, you're going to get used to it, buddy. You're going to get used to it. Um, But just reading, like, you know, one of the things I like to do, a little trick of the trade here for you, is look on Twitter. Just search for a guy's name and see the types of guys that people are comparing rugs to. Because people will do this to, you know, Matthew Berry and and stuff like that constantly. And so they're like, McLaren or Ruggs, half a point PPR. Well, McLaren has a track record. Like, if, right. if Ruggs is as good as McLaren was, you, you play him instantly at 5,100. Um, people are talking about, like, oh, my big plays for the week. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Henry Ruggs. It's like, those are your big plays? Like, two guys that are super proven? I think people are, are very, very aware of the Henry Ruggs situation. Mm-hmm. And like Diggs, he's going to be super highly owned. And he's just absolutely, no matter how good he is, has... Uh, two-catch game for 30 yards as a part of yeah. a reasonable expectation for him. Now, if he's 30% owned in cash and gives that to you, and all you need to do is beat half of the other opponents, then you're fine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you play him in big tournament and he does that, and he's like 30% owned, you're going to be pretty bummed. So well, let me give you a couple. Um, let me give you a couple of quick names here, um, because these are the these are guys that were sh- kind of showing up in like in and around cash that are in the same price range on Fanduel. Okay, Manuel Sanders, 500 more than Rugs. Um, they're kind of like the same guy to me. I'd probably give it to, Rugs. like if we're talking big tournaments, I'd take Ruggs just because I think Sanders, it'd be tough for him to walk in with Michael Thomas and Kamara and just, like I think Ruggs, while he has a two-catch game for 31 yards, he also has a nine-catch game for 150 yards. And Sam, I would say Sanders probably doesn't have that. I don't think so. Right. No. So that's where I'm like, okay, maybe, like the because I can't, I can't really overstate this much, 5,000 basically on FanDuel is free. 
for a wide receiver. Yep. Like, that is basically the bottom. And if you're just a starting wide receiver that projects to be anybody at this point for 5000 mm-hmm. I think that it's pretty reasonable. It doesn't do too much with your lineup um, in terms of... Uh, really, what it does is allows you to get guys like McCaffrey and Jacobs yep. and Mixon. So, anyway, interesting situation there. Again, we'll probably know a little bit more after a week, but this is one... Um, where I might go back on what I said about you know <laughs> waiting for the situation to sort of like iron itself well, out. As we always say though, price matters, right? So yeah, that's true. You know, sure we can wait for the situation to iron itself out, and I don't have to play, you know, Mike Evans as wide receiver one when he has a totally new quarterback with a totally different skill set than his previous right. quarterback to want to play, you know, the presumed wide receiver one on a team who's five thousand. You know, like that's very different spots to me. All right, moving on. Eagles go in and play the Washington football team. Eagles are five-and-a-half-point road favorites. Another team that we did talk a lot about yesterday, Wentz we think is a ca- is a cash game play. Um, mm-hmm. Not 100% for us, but he's definitely he's pretty close. Yeah. yeah, we talked about Deshaun Jackson um, as a, a cash game play based on the price and the opportunity that we have seen with Wentz. So those are a couple guys. Miles Sanders was a guy we wanted to kind of think about, but they came out yesterday and said that, they were going to sort of ease him back into the situation, and I, that was enough to make. He already had the injury tag on him, um, but the coach coming out and saying we're going to kind of ease him in here was all I needed to just kind of ding him out of cash game lineups. I think that that news is as definitive as you can get as the guy's not going to touch the ball twenty times. Like yeah. um, so, sometimes I'm willing to believe the I'm willing to believe that kind of news more than the he's going to touch yeah. it twenty times news because that just is a thing. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not going to say gonna, I mean maybe I could prove it wrong, but. Um, Anything else about this team at all, though? Um, we talked about Ertz, too. I feel like we talked about this one a ton. And then you can talk about anything you might like on the Washington. No, I think we pretty much summed up the Eagles pretty well. We like the top guy at each position, basically, right. to be a cash game viable play. Uh, Washington, you know, people are going to be trying to talk themselves into Terry McLaurin, for instance. And I don't think that's unreasonable. He's pretty cheap and was solid, even with Haskins being the quarterback last season. Uh, they're going to point to his last two games where he averaged 16, 17 fantasy points on FanDuel and say, hey, he's too cheap for that level of production. But I think there's a lot going on there. First of all, he was way more efficient than he had been to that point in the season in, in those two games. So he was targeted 14 times, turned that into 12 catches for 216 yards and a touchdown. You just simply can't pencil him in for that. Like, uh, like the worst thing I ever want to see for a guy that I'm thinking about playing in cash games is this this exact game that he had against Philly. Five targets, five catches for 130 yards. Yeah. Nobody has an expectation of 130 yards receiving on five catches. And so, you know, the price ticks up a little bit. The expectations go up a little bit. You know, people always want to dream on, dream on improvement for young receivers, which is reasonable, except when your quarterback is trash. Yeah. No offense, Dwayne, if you're listening. You just can't. Like, what would you be doing in that instance? Now, if they get right back on the same page and he's getting more in that, like, I'd like to see consistent weeks of, like, seven to nine targets maybe. But the fact that he could be targeted five times, I'd feel sick to my stomach if I had Terry McLaurin on The offense targets. projects to be bad again. Yeah, of they, course. They, you know, they let Peterson go. They're going to start Antonio Gibson uh, at the running back and kind of switch around with him and love okay, him. Sure. Okay, so the, the offense just projects to be really bad. They have a really low implied total at south of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, Haskins has really not shown anything in the way of like being a competent NFL quarterback yet. No. Um, maybe one day he was. He will be. There was always disagreement about whether or not they even wanted to take him at that pick, uh, like who actually wanted him, like ownership or the coaching staff. So um, I just don't – I'm not th- – that is not a situation I'm going to in no. cash. I don't even know if I'm going to go there in big tournaments, really, frankly, if, if I think the ownership's going to be too high. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by the way, sometimes when we say we're not going to touch in, 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 in 
tournaments, it has some, as much sometimes to do with ownership as it does have to do. Like, I'm fine with that feed. Like, if he's going to oh, be yeah. a guy that people want to dream on, uh, they can have it. And if he has a big game, more power to them. But that's just not going to be where mm-hmm. I don't want to. I'd rather be underweight on that. Colts go in and play the Jags. Jags are in full tank mode here. They let Fournette go. Uh, they traded everybody else away. They have no interest in winning. That is evidenced by what the the personnel that they're putting on the field this season. Um, they they just kind of put, they put D.D. Westbrook on their practice squad, so he's off. He's he's out of the the wide receiver group here. Um, very bad team. Second lowest implied total of the week after the Redskins. Um, on the other side, the Colts bring in Philip Rivers. They did go into the draft with Jonathan Taylor at running back. Though that's another situation where nobody really knows what the plan is. They, it's pretty clear that Taylor's not going to start now, but there's speculation by the end of the season he starts. Any thoughts here on a team that has a really high total, but a totally new quarterback and kind of unclear about what the dynamic's going to be? Yeah, I, I can't see myself playing any Colts going into this week. Uh, Marlon Mack is a guy we dabbled in from time to time last year, but with the potential for a timeshare. Uh, they still have Hines there to catch balls out of the backfield as well. And Mac was not really a big receiver in the first place, so I don't think you can touch that. Uh, I do think the Rivers, you know, so it's interesting. So I, I don't really like wide receivers in new situations all that often, but I do think Rivers is going to bring a level of competence to the position that you know was kind of hit or miss for them last year. So I guess I just don't want I don't want to like for instance T Y Hilton. He's already the prototypical big game or big tournament wide receiver anyway with his conversion issues from the past his the possibility that he can go off for 35 fantasy points or you know catch three balls for 18 yards like he did against Houston last year like all that's in play at 6400 for T.Y. Hilton I mean we were playing him in big tournaments at 8200 granted that was with Andrew Luck who was a totally different guy than what we're dealing with here but I do think Rivers is competent enough that you can include Hilton in your big tournament lineups with a pretty clear conscience. So, like, I compare him to someone like Terry McLaurin, same price. I think Hilton and his pedigree for absolutely huge games and Rivers being the more competent quarterback, I'd much rather have Hilton ownership than someone like uh, McLaurin. Yeah, it's a great point. And I look, and the reason you consider the Colts again is because Jacksonville's terrible. Yeah. Right? Like like this is even like these new situations, some of the safety in a new situation is sometimes as much about the opponent as anything else, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, Phil Rivers is in a new situation here with the new wide receiver core. Jacksonville ranked 29th in defensive DVOA last year and got worse. Like so they're they're just an actively worse team than they were last year. So yeah. this is just there is good matchups across the board. I'm not willing to trust the running back situation. Like we said, but Hilton's gonna face guys like the the it's gonna be like Trey Herndon, um, <laughs> you know DJ Hayden. Sure. The, the, I mean, DJ Hayden's a much higher ranked uh, wide receiver than um, than Herndon is, but they're gonna move. They do move Hilton around a lot in the in the formation. So I'm just like that is probably he's not a cash game play, but definitely for big tournaments. And by the way, I don't even need to necessarily have Philip Rivers here. Like I don't need to necessarily stack oh, no. Ty Hilton with you. Don't Phil you Rivers. don't want to stack it? I mean, right. you can't play the quarterback with every wide receiver you play. Right. Um, speaking of wide receivers for big tournaments. People will play DJ Shark Jr. as well in big tournaments. I don't hate it. You know, super hit or miss. Don't play him cash, though, please. Uh, you know, he's another guy. People will remember his high highs, and they just forget about the low lows because he was such a surprising breakout story last year uh, when everyone assumed it would be Westbrook. So, and even Conley had some good games early in the season. But no, you're not you're not playing DJ Shark Jr. in cash. By the way, with with cash game wide receivers too, just make make sure the quarterback's ca- is competent. Like that's like yeah, that's like a good you know place like like. Yeah, the guy might get a lot of targets, but it, it just you know, think about who's throwing them the ball. 
Like if you have Emmanuel Sanders and you have Drew Brees and you know it's going to be maybe mm-hmm. it's only five and a half targets, but it's Drew Brees. There's a big even Deshaun Jackson with Carson Wentz. There's just a big such a drop off to these other yeah. guys like to Dwayne Haskins and Gardner Minshew and guys like this. So I, sometimes people kind of forget that part of it when they when they look at these names and they want to dream on them. It, there's it's just such huge differences. All right, moving on. Green Bay goes in and plays the Vikings. Vikings are two and a half point home favorites here. These teams come in pretty much in the same state as we left them last year, at least on the offensive side, yeah. short of the Vikings without Stefan Diggs now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, these teams are bringing in the same personnel, with, with presumably the same plan. Like, I know that they, you know, look, Green Bay drafted Jordan Love in the first round. That's, he's not going to see the field. Um, that's, so you're not worried about stuff like that. Uh, they're still bringing back the Green Bay. Still bringing back Deontay Adams, who averaged over ten targets a game last year, mm-hmm. or median targets over ten a game last year. Aaron Jones, you know, kept waiting for him to carry the ball twenty plus times in the game. They just simply rarely wanted to go there until a few games late in the season. That was with Jamal Williams hurt. Um, where do we stand on some of these guys? Devontae Adams is a guy sort was for a little bit was kind of sneaking around cash games for us just because the targets are. Like this is one of those target ones you can be very you can be bullish on, right? Like going into the yes. season, like you feel very good about the Devontae Adams targets, I think. Um, but I don't know what your thoughts are and how close you think he is for cash games. Yeah, I think he's probably pretty close. Um, you know, he's healthy to start the season. You know, the health thing for him can be kind of hit or miss. I, yeah, I, I like Adams. I mean, he's just one of the steadiest guys in the entire league. He's not priced like a true wide receiver one either. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he like outscores Michael Thomas in fantasy points right. over the course of a season, which is not something you can say about very many guys. So certainly for big tournaments, uh, especially if you think the shine is off him a little bit compared to guys like Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, getting separation by playing someone like Adam seems fantastic to me. So yeah, I can't say enough nice things about him. Uh, going the other way, though, what do you think about Adam Thielen? So Diggs walks out of the picture. Thielen was a guy that was seeing significant cash game ownership like in the mid eight thousands for a two years ago. Okay, two years ago. (laughs) But that's the weird thing is that like last season, it just fell off an absolute cliff. It did, didn't it? Like, wow, he never hit ten targets last season. Did he even hit seven in a game? Yeah, he did. He did. How many times? He had three games, four. No, he had like six games with seven targets. Okay, well, right. Um, but so, but he's cheap, and again, in the category of guys who would it shock you if Adam Thielen was the highest scoring wide receiver? I mean, it'd be surprising, but it wouldn't be like. You know Henry Ruggs Jr. being the highest, Henry Ruggs the third. Sorry, Henry Ruggs Jr. That's my dad. That's what he would say <laughs> if, he, if he heard me say that. But, um, but yeah, so I just want to throw Thielen out there. Don't play him in cash, obviously, but for big tournaments, he can be in your in your pool of guys. Yeah, for sure. And I was like disturbed when I looked because he was another guy where I was like talking with someone else about this, and it was like you know what are your thoughts on Thielen? I was like I want to I want to go back to 2018 right. and think that like he's just going to be the guy. That was just an absolute target monster. Although, I'm, if you remember that season, it dropped off for the end of the season for him at the end of that season also. He came out of the box huge with massive target share, um, and then it just, I don't think it really sustained. And last year, like right. I said, it was just totally gone. Now, they did bring in Justin Jefferson. Uh, they have B.C. Johnson there. Um, you would think that... I mean, I have to feel for seven targets, by the way, a game. Like I, We have him upticked over... He, by the median target last year, 4.8. It was a disaster. So, yeah, bad year. Um, I do think the other guy, though, to think about in this is Dalvin Cook. So yep. Dalvin Cook uh, last year was right around 18 carries a game median and four and a half targets. We did not mention him among the safe running backs that we were discussing yesterday, but he probably should be in there. And I'm wondering what his ownership is going to be uh, going into this because 
He is cheap. He's he's near the top tier of running back in terms of price. He's not up in the McCaffrey range, nor should he be. So I'm not like suggesting that he should be. Um, but 8,700 on Fanduel, I think he's 9,000 on DraftKings. I'll look. Um, what are your thoughts here on Dalvin Cook in terms of safety? Because this is again a situation that uh, sorry, seven nine on DraftKings. Um, this is a situation that we do kind of know about, and we saw situations where they were fine just bringing Madison in to spell yeah, him for like he, long he's stretches. Not, he's not a cash game play on no uncertain terms, in my opinion. Um, the last. Seven games of the season, he crested 20 carries a single time. So in spite of, you know, having a really strong median total, that was almost all front-loaded in the beginning of the season. As the season went along, like, listen, this is, these are some of the game logs you could have gotten. Well, a couple of these games. were chalk weeks for him, too. 11 was, yeah. carries for 26 yards, 9 carries for 29 yards, 18 carries for 62, 9 for 27. Then he had 28 carries, but for 94 yards, 9 carries for 18 yards. That's how he ended the season. There's no way you can pencil him in as an $8,700 cash game play. And by the um, way, I know that what people are going to say is, oh, that was game script issues. Yeah. For some of these guys, it doesn't yeah. matter, though. Like, like exactly. there's other court- Go like, tell that to Joe Mixon about his game script exactly. issues. You know what I mean? That's a good comparison. Because like if you can be scripted this easily out of the game, yeah. then it is a problem. Whereas, like, right, Mixon's a good example of a guy who will not be. How about Christian McCaffrey? Right. You know, guys who catch balls more reliably out of the backfield. Right. When you have these run-first running backs, and maybe this is a... Question mark for Jacobs as well, who we touted earlier, but Jacobs would still see carries oftentimes because his offense didn't have a whole lot of other options. Right. I don't, I don't think Minnesota sees Cook that way. I don't see him that way. It's funny because like going into this conversation, I was ready to be like, ah, Cook, kind of interesting mm-hmm. big tournament guy because he's probably overpriced, but that means you can get extra separation on a guy who could be the highest scoring running back. But no, if people are high on Cook, I'm gonna run screaming the other direction. Um, yeah, not definitely not a cash game play. Kind of interesting for big tournaments, but only if you think he's going to be very lowly owned. Uh, one other quick note, just to go back to Aaron Jones uh, real quick. If you, people, if you were going to look at the end of the season and say, oh, he was a 20 carry back at the end of the season, Jamal Williams was hurt yeah, those games. Exactly. So, like, I just want to be very clear if you're game log watching and seeing, like, oh, they you know, they finally made the switch to him as the bell cow back. That was because Williams was hurt. So, yeah. um, and one of the, and then maybe they switched over in the playoff games. This is not a team that's interested in running their guy to, into the ground to start the season. Mm-hmm. They've just ve- signaled that already. And so, um, I'm just not... I, I don't want to be. I don't want to look at the last four games of Aaron Jones and think that that's what the plan is for this year because the situation uh, really just called for him to have to carry the load. Chargers go in and play the Bengals. We're in the four o'clock games now. Uh, Chargers are three point road. Excuse me, home. Nope, sorry, road favorites uh, against Cincinnati. The big change here is Tyrod Taylor is now change. the quarterback. For, and people know this, but Tyrod Taylor is now the quarterback for the Chargers. And I'm wondering what you think that does to guys like. Really, everybody. <laughs> like, Eckler, yeah. Eckler signs a big contract. They've already said he's not going to carry the ball 20 times a game. So, that, that's that, you know, he's going to catch a lot of balls in the backfield. Presumably, it's a t- brand new quarterback. Keenan Allen's a guy that we always wanted to target up, but this is Tyrod Taylor, is not is not Phillip Rivers when it comes to this stuff. I mean, maybe he says his arm, he's got a bigger arm than Phillip Rivers, or, you know, maybe he's going to be more dynamic. They can do more stuff on offense with him. I think that's a right. reasonable take. Um, but I don't know what you think the Tyrod Taylor move here does to some of these guys who were kind of known for us last year. But this is this is just a big switch. So what are your thoughts here? On, on you can't the play any receive, wide receivers on right. the Chargers or tight ends. Just cross that off your list until we see how it shakes out. I do think Eckler is a little bit more interesting because, you know, we saw times last year where he was a chalk option in the low 8,000s uh, when, really, when he was really the guy. You know, those games where you could pencil him in for, mm-hmm. you know, nine targets, 11 targets, things like that. I will say that I think a lot of... 
you know, new situation is always tough for wide receivers because quarterbacks are going through their reads. They're trying to figure out who's getting open. You know, there's so many factors that can go into wide receivers getting targets. A lot of running back targets are scripted in advance, right? So they say, here's the play. You know, we're going to throw a screen to Eckler and kind of let him cook. Some of that is quarterback skill set, beyond a doubt. You know, some quarterbacks are better at throwing those passes than others. But a lot of that is simply scheme-based and based on the talents of your running back. So from that perspective, I think Eckler is a favorite to get seven to nine targets a game. But with so many unknowns here and the relatively high price tag, you certainly don't need to do it for cash. Um, But I do think, yeah, for big tournaments, the coaches can say whatever they want. When you pay a guy that much money and he's quite good, I think the temptation will be there to keep doing what works. So it wouldn't shock me if Eckler goes back and getting 20 touches a game, even if it's, you know, 10 targets and 11 carries or something like that. I think Tyrod Taylor has, I agree with you on Eckler. I don't want to do it in cash. So it's close on DraftKings because the PPR, the PPR for his price, outrageous. yeah, it's close. And the pricing there is a little tougher. So uh, mm-hmm. Eckler, I think, is close on DraftKings as a play. I think Tyrod Taylor is not a cash game play, but it's definitely a big tournament play. Yeah. If they looked and saw what they what like the Lamar Jackson kind of mold here and said, you are accurate enough. Hey, look, he the guy complete had sixty four percent completion percentage for three thousand yards two back to back years in Buffalo with much worse weapons, right? Sure. Um, and you know twenty had, had thirty seven touchdowns to twelve interceptions over that time. His numbers are fine. Like the accuracy, you know, people. He, he's not inaccurate. They brought him in specifically to run, like sort of a new style here. Mm-hmm. And the and the rushing yards, he went back-to-back almost 600 yards a season you know, rushing in those seasons. Yeah. Now, look, that's five years, six years ago. And he hasn't taken a lot of hits since because he barely played. But if they look, but if they looked and said, we're just going to kind of turn you loose in the way that they did with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, to say, like, we're going to do, like, a light version of that, I think he has tremendous fantasy upside here for his price. Um, not definitely not a cash game play. This should be called definitely not a cash game play podcast uh, for the amount of times we said it. But well, the, only a handful of guys are cash game plays, right? So yeah, I think it's worth pointing out. But but if you think that like fifty rushing yards is in play here, sure. and he's got better weapons, and you know just even better, just like you know overall situation, I think Tyra Taylor is very interesting here from a, from a tournament perspective. Yeah, I mean, he could get two rushing touchdowns, right? Which would yeah. all which would be all he needs. So yeah, you've talked. You don't need to make a a big case for tournament plays in most cases, right? It's um, and, I, and you've made the case for Taylor sufficiently for me. On the Bengals side, they obviously make the splash by drafting Joe Burrow. He's going to come right out of the gate and start. Um, he cool. is going to have, I guess, a full complement of weapons here. Uh, from a rookie quarterback perspective, this yeah. is not a bad situation to walk into. Uh, you know, he's got Boyd there. AJ Green's going to get back on the field here, and he's got Joe Mixon. This is a for a, for a team that drafted first uh, overall. Yeah. It's not usually a situation where you walk in and have like actual real guys, at least on offense, to walk into. And so I'm not going to play bro here. I'm not even interested really in, in, in taking a shot on him for week one. I think it's a nice story. But the fact that he walks in, I was trying to think of like a rookie quarterback who started week one that actually had dudes. Um, yeah. to And then Green's, look, Green's been hurt for half a decade, it seems like. But um, what are your thoughts here on the Bengals? They're underdogs, but there's some reason to suspect that they could, they could be okay out of the gate. Absolutely. I mean, Green, Boyd, John Ross even. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we saw Ross be a viable guy from time to time. I don't don't hate any of these guys for big tournaments, including Burrow. It's obviously not a cash game play. More of just an interesting situation, I think, to watch play out. I think people might talk themselves into A.J. Green, but the combination of just being continually older every single year, and the last time we saw him, he was really good, but it's been a really long time, so I think people are probably... Hoping and wishing just a little bit on green. 
and you obviously can't play Boyd because the targets are going to go elsewhere, and yeah. we just don't even know how many targets are going to be because the Bengals, you know, sometimes you just get it in your DNA. Last year, they just kept running and running and running. So Yeah, we have Mixon in dra- on DraftKings right now, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I wouldn't be shocked to look back at that. Like, I don't wouldn't be shocked if six weeks from now that looks pretty bad because last year I think part of the Bengals giving the ball to Mixon incessantly was a lack of belief in the quarterback play. They have a lot more incentive to keep getting Burrow reps this year, so... Yeah, I don't don't mind Mixon. I'm not like over the moon about it, but there's also a world where the Bengals are just more competent. That and Mixon right. gets more carries as a result from that. Right. So. Maybe a maybe like a fifteen percent decrease in, in overall carries, but a fifteen percent increase in the quality of the carry. Yeah. Like yeah, something it could, like that. It could definitely I'm making that number up. So. But um okay, let's we're all, we're getting toward the finish line here. Cardinals go in and play the 49ers. 49ers seven point home favorites. Uh, coming on after the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. Uh, the news on the Cardinals side, obviously, is that they got DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson somehow <laughs> in the offseason. We're able to make that trade. Um, Hopkins is a guy that, look, he's among the very best wide receivers, if not mm-hmm. the best, depending on how you know you sort of view him in the game. Um, but And Kyler Murray, I think, has big-time career upside. I'm not sure we can go right back to the DeAndre Hopkins from Deshaun Watson targets here no. at all. Um, and this, and it, we kind of get bailed out because they face a really good defense here to start. I think this would have been a much weirder situation if they were playing one of the bottom feeding teams. I think we sort of get bailed out on what the plan is because I just don't want to run really even tournament guys into the 49ers here. Um, and I think on the 49ers side, we're still just in a situation where it's like, I mean, Raheem Mostert is going to they're getting McKinnon back here. Like Tevin Coleman's still on the team. I just don't know what I'm really doing with this game, except for just watching and sort of seeing how things shake out. Yep, and I think that's pretty much my read on it exactly. Uh, much was made of the Patriots' defense last year. The Niners were right there with them oh, all yeah. season long, and they return, you know, just as many as the Patriots, if not more, this year. So, yeah, I'm definitely not going to run any Cardinals. By the way, the if you defense schedule, excuse me, matchup based adjustment on DVOA, uh, the Niners were better. Right. The, the Niners were, were better than the Patriots as a defense last season. Yep. The Patriots just ran into all the worst teams to start the season. And they had that absurd beginning of the season where they like never allowed a touchdown and stuff. Well, and they just got to play the Jets twice and the Dolphins twice. And so right. like anytime any defense that's allowed to do that for, for a few games a year is going to just be in a better situation. Um, sure. So, yeah, I'm just not interested in doing it. Happy to watch this game, mm-hmm. uh, sort of see how guys like Kenny and Drake are used, see how Hopkins and Murray kind of match up with each other uh, yeah. and after that. And then 49ers, we, on big slates, we just almost avoided these guys to a man last it's year. It's an untouchable because, running back situation. Yep. Um, you know, people are projecting growth for Debo Samuel. You can wait and see that first. Uh, he's had a foot issue during camp as well. So, uh, like, he just he missed their Wednesday practice, so you just never know at all. Uh, Kittle, I think, is a way to get some potentially separation in big tournaments. You know, another guy who could theoretically win you the week if you have him on low uh, low ownership. But for cash, yikes, 8000 um, Yeah, no. You, just, you can't see it. I mean, he's got... Seven targets, one target in the right. second last game of the season. There's no way he's a cash game player right now. All right, final game here. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go in and play the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Tom Brady under center for Tampa. Now, the Mike Evans did have an injury tag, I think, that came in late yesterday. I need to go back and look at that one. Um, only projected for 22 overall points here, so yeah. uh, which I find interesting because it's going into the Dome in New, or- in New Orleans, which is a good situation. He's got his full complement of weapons here, and they brought in Leonard Fournette. Uh, so I don't know if you what you uh, besides just watching and seeing how the running game gets used. I don't know. I don't even think I'm interested in having these guys are not part of my big tournament builds right now. Um, I'm just. Kind of off of it. I, I'm. It's fine to make a stand here. I think. I can hear a Gronk case. 
you know, Ugh. like just as a crazy one. I mean, he's he's really cheap. He's yeah. fifty five hundred, and I think that's the only one. Though I think otherwise, the li- the likelihood that Brady spreads the ball out is so much higher because that's just his calling card anyway. Right. The likelihood for that is so much higher than he, he consolidates all these targets into one guy, with the possible exception of Gronk. You know, he's got the track record there. Right. Uh, they're probably hanging out. You know, doing the whole thing. So I think that's not well, a Those guys broke quarantine all over the place. That was the big news out of Florida. Those guys were just practicing the whole time. The things were supposed to be shut down. So they got a little extra work. going to go ahead and keep practicing here. Uh, on the so. same, yes, I don't think, I, look, I'm not trying to like just skip over this because it's such a huge situation and I get it, but um, Brady from a from a cash, like, even from a fantasy perspective, he doesn't run at all. I hate that. Like I like from, yeah, from, from DFS. For DFS, I hate the guys that don't run. You just have to, you need so much to go right for it mm-hmm. to, to for it to really you need to like throw for like four or five touchdowns. Like that's just it. Like you can't it's so hard to make up these these the group of guys that run just have such a leg up, you know, to so to speak, pun intended. The to just to get there in terms of fantasy value, I get that he's got maybe they're a great offense because he's got so many better weapons than he had in when he's with the Patriots, so that makes sense to me. But like you make a good point. He's just you know, outside of Edelman, this is a guy that was just, he was just fine throwing it to whoever sort of was open. Also, Brady was just flat out bad last year, yeah. and new weapons are all well and good, but there isn't a lot of precedent to head into your mid-40s as a competent right. NFL quarterback, and as guys who are getting a little older, we know that like Brady, <laughs> you know, things just get sore, you yeah. know, you, you're just not, you can't quite do the same things you used to do, no matter how much you practice and how hard you work, so, yeah, I don't see any reason, I mean... This is going to be another one where people are going to be all over dreaming about this situation. Maybe they'll be right. I'd much rather just fade it and just take my lumps if it went. Yeah, just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. Like I'm, I'm fine with it. I get the matchup is fine. I, I, I am a little bit thrown off, but I'm willing to trust this Vegas total too. Like the the fact that Vegas is like, ah, we're not even seeing it, right? Like it's in terms of overall points. Same side. We talked at length about Michael Thomas yesterday. We did talk about Manny Sanders also, so I don't think uh, we need to go back there. One guy we didn't touch on is Alvin Kamara. I'm throwing it out there because on DraftKings, he's a pretty reasonable price at 7-2 for a guy who just consistently gets huge targets. Even if the even if the amount of rushes kind of dropped off because of Latavius Murray last year, the targets have still been there when the going gets tough. Um, right now, we have him, and he's showing up in 100% of our DraftKings lineups, uh, which I... And by the way, not even on like outsized usage here. It's like much less than we had him for last year. Just now, he's in a contract situation. The speculation is he's going to get paid here. Um, he's still practicing through the negotiation, so this isn't like a holdout situation. So he's going mm-hmm. to play. Thoughts on seeing a hundred percent of seventy two hundred Alvin Kamara on DraftKings? And we'll, fin- f- we'll finish here because then we'll get out of the sentence. I'm just spot. counting. Eight, nine, so Kamara went. Eight straight games without a touchdown last season. It was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> That's and the, then he got, and then he kind of spiked him at the end, right? Like, he got five he, touchdowns in the last three games because yeah. all the talk was about how he can't get in the end zone. I think if I think the middle of the season probably reflects the Saints plan more closely than the random five touchdown spike we saw at the end. I could be just falling victim to clustering effects here. Mm-hmm. But as we talked about in football, a lot of your opportunity just comes from other people making decisions for you. You know, they say like you just don't get the ball when we're five yards away. That means you're not going to get far fewer touchdowns than the guys who do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's fine. I mean, on DraftKings, like you said, the PPR makes things a lot more palatable. That's really all it is. If by he the can way. catch seven balls, that's a touchdown. He starts with a touchdown, or mm-hmm. better than a touchdown. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I won't say I hate it, but I do feel concerned when trying to project off of like last season stats as a baseline that people might be giving him too much credit for his touchdown scoring ability at this stage in his career with this offense. So that's my, my primary concern. Uh, he's obviously a great talent. 
they have plenty of reason to give him the ball. Well, let me give you a couple quick guys in, in this price range. Kamara or Eckler? Ooh. Basically the same price. Yeah, it's funny because I think they're kind of the same guy. I'll probably take Kamara slightly. Kamara or, Alvin, or Aaron Jones? He's 300 more. Kamara. Okay. Uh, th- th- those are the only guys I'm kind of making the decision about. Because I, I feel like, well, Kamara or Joe Mixon? Mm. 500 more for Kamara. I'll take Joe Mixon at the discount. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, on that, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started as a podcast listener. That's going to give you optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's going to give you, um, and that, by the way, that's for every sport. That's what You're going to sign up for football, Ooh. but you're going to get it for basketball, baseball. Um, we cover everything under one subscription package. I know these other sites like to just kind of like section it off by who wrote the article or whose projections they are or what greedy. sport you want to play. So greedy. Yeah, it's just like, no, we just give it to you. We just give it to, you know why? Because who, who can be bothered figuring all these subscription oh, tiers? <laughs> just so much easier to just pile it all together. Uh, go check out our articles as well. Those are free if you want to just kind of a window into how we put, the, put our projections together. It's also going to give you uh, access to our members-only chat room, where we're up to the minute for every slate, talking about the plays. Uh, we'll be in there hot and heavy on Sunday as well, starting pretty early. So go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your opening Sunday of football. Will do.